Good morning. Today's passage comes from Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21. It can be found in the Pew Bible on page 977. Please stand with me for the reading of God's word. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Please have a seat and take a moment to reflect on God's word. At the end of this sermon, I'm going to invite the three candidates for baptism to come up and we'll ask them some questions and then they'll go change and then we'll all meet out there on a very cold Sunday to get baptized. Uh, So we'll try to chip away the ice that's on the forming even now, get them wet. So it's going to be a fun way to end our service. But uh, before we get there, we want to examine this last paragraph or so of Paul's uh, chapter 3, this letter to the people in Ephesus. And what we talked about last week, we're just going to carry on for this week and the next couple of weeks. We remember we were talking about a spiritual core, trying to strengthen, uh, strengthen our spiritual core. If you go to a fitness trainer, you hear, hey, you need to work on your core. And the reason you want to work on sort of this part of your body is because it's involved in every other activity. And so the, the, fit, the fitness trainer understands if you have a good core, then you can be a good athlete in a number of different ways. But if you have a bad core, even though you might have a really strong arm, that's gonna, it's gonna hurt you in some way. So you spend a lot of time working on the core. And that's what Paul is trying to do, and that's what we're trying to do here for the month of January, is to really try to strengthen the core, because we're all going to have different relationships, face different particular issues, and if we have a good core, then no matter what we might find ourselves involved in, I think we're going to have some success in getting through that. And so last week, he had this image of a runner, an Olympic athlete, and he says, Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. He's trying to say, you got to run. You got to run all out. You got to make every effort. You're, you're straining towards the, the finish line tape. Everyone who's going to compete in the games goes into strict training. And they do it to get a crown that's not going to last. But think about us. We're, we're, go, we're going into training and we're making an all-out effort for an imperishable crown. So he concludes, 1 Corinthians 9.24, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. 
I'm, I'm forming habits, core values, virtues that, that allow me to continue to move through this race. And this week I want to focus on one key spiritual core component, and that would be prayer. And so I was reading an article uh, earlier in the week, and it was some fitness people saying, if you just had to do, if you could just do one exercise, what's the one exercise would you give? And I thought, well, prayer would be one of those. It'd be one of those key exercises that if you didn't have that as part of your key spiritual core, you'd really have, you'd really struggle. And so we're going to do that. We're going to think about prayer. And I want you also to be thinking about your prayer card. I'm hoping that looking at this prayer is going to inform what you might want to write on your prayer card. So you want to be taking notes about that as well. And I want to just encourage you, if you're not in this habit already, is to allow the prayers of the Bible to inform and instruct your own prayers. A lot of times, if you, if you just kind of get into, I got to pray and you're really not thinking about it, it just sort of goes to like a grocery list of things that you'd like God to do. Isn't that right? Oh, okay. Well, okay. God, can you do this, do this, make sure this? I mean, it's just kind of a grocery list. And it's not bad to pray about those things because they're on your heart and your mind. That's fine. But we want to step back and really see what, how, how do the people in the Bible pray? So you can use the Psalms especially. But here we, we are actually going to have a look at Paul's prayer for a congregation. And I hope the things that he puts in his prayer will inform what you might put on your prayer card as well. So I, what I want to do is just give a little bit background here to this prayer, and then I'm going to make four observations. So first of all, for a background, you see in verse 14, for this reason, for this reason, or another translation says, with this in mind. All right, so you immediately know, hey, we're in the middle of Paul's thinking. He's already said some things, and now he's saying, because I've said these things, for this reason, I'm going to get down on my knees and I'm going to pray for you. And we want to ask the question, well, what's the reason? What's, what's forming, what's influencing Paul's desire to pray? And I would say that there are two main ingredients that are like in the mixing bowl of Paul's mind that are causing him to want to pray. This, this, this informs or is the background for his prayer. And I wish we had more time to unpack them, but we don't. But I want you to see, first of all, he's definitely got the gospel in mind. He's spending a lot of time just helping them understand the gospel. And before he gets down to pray, he's got the gospel in his mind. So just turn back with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. And, and, and these few verses, they're just something to just be amazed at. Before you try to figure them out and say, well, let me get this right and all that, it's just really something beautiful to stare at before you try to figure it out. Chapter 1, verse 4. He chose us. God chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of of the world. Now, before you try to figure out that out, just be amazed. See, because a lot of times you just want to go to the analytical. Well, how does this happen? And you have all these questions, but it's like just coming to the Grand Canyon and say, "How did this form? And when did this river start?" And no, can you just say it's unbelievable? Can you just stand there and go, "However this came about, this is incredible. 
That's the main thing Paul wants to do is just say, what, however we're going to organize our thoughts around this, the first organizing thought is, it's incredible. And that's part of what he's got in his, in his mind, that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world so that we would be holy and blameless. And in love, God predestined us. Again, before you, you're, you start getting itchy around your collar, just be amazed that he adopted us through Christ. And it's all according to his purpose. It's for the praise of his glorious grace. And he's blessed us with everything in his beloved, that's Jesus. And in him, we actually have redemption through his blood, which means forgiveness for our trespasses, and it's according to all of his riches. I mean, this is just something to just behold. And Paul has got that, that's one of the main ingredients he has in his mind before he goes to prayer. The second one, chapter 3, verse 6, this is the other thing that's mixing with the sort of the mind-bending realities of the gospel, chapter 3, verse 6. This mystery, he's been talking about a mystery. He says that the, the Gentiles are fellow heirs. So it's not just a Jewish thing. It's not just something for Israel. Now we've got Israel and all, all other people, that's Gentiles. They're members of the same body. They're partakers of the same promise in Jesus Christ through the gospel. So this gospel that was promised before the foundation of the world, he's got that in mind with Jews and Gentiles and all kinds of people mixing together in the church. So all the promises of Christ are for Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female, Asian, Africa, Hispanic, American, all are members of this same body. So inside the church, there's no division. There's no us and them. There, there's no home team inside the church. You wouldn't say that your hand is the home team of your body. I mean, it's just part of your body. Every, every piece of your body is important. And so what Paul is trying to say is, first of all, just understand that the gospel is all about God. He's doing it before the foundations of the world. And he's giving this great, he's lavishing this gospel on all kinds of people. There's no home team. There's no majority. It's all people from all over the globe. So at the very end, every tribe and tongue and nation, they're all looking and staring at Jesus. Now, now, amazingly, and this is perhaps the most incredible part, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul then informs you, he's getting towards his prayer, he then informs you as people who understand the gospel, who are diverse coming to the same church, look at what he says, so that through the church, these people who know the gospel, who are very diverse, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to, to who? Rulers, authorities in the heavenly places. So when people really understand the incredible love of God. And they come together and they're from all kinds of backgrounds. Rich and poor, black and white, Asian and Hispanic, male and female, slave and free. When they all come 
and fall underneath this gospel, it doesn't just present a great picture to the world. Who else does it present wisdom to? Rulers and authorities in heaven. Now, what does that mean? I don't have time to unpack that right now. I just want you to be amazed at it. I want you to say, I don't know, but it's amazing. It's amazing that inside Christ Community Church, authorities and rulers in heavenly places would be amazed at God by us, diverse people, living under the gospel. Isn't that incredible? Especially, just especially think about in our culture today. You couldn't possibly go to a news site without hearing some problem with racial tension and diversity, could you? I mean, it wouldn't be possible. Because we've got people in high offices saying things, and you just can't get away from it. And then everybody wants to make commentary. You can't move away from it. And what Paul is trying to say is, that's not really that different than Ephesus. Ephesus is this port city, and we've got people from Europe coming to it. We've got people from Asia coming to it. We've got slave and free. We've got Greek and Jew. We've got poor and rich. They're all coming to this church. And in this very hostile environment of Ephesus, there's a little oasis called the church where everybody's the same. And when that happens, God is glorified not just in Ephesus, but in heaven. So when that happens at Christ Community Church, and this is one thing that Pastor Paul is going to put on his prayer card, that this would be Christ Community Church in 2018. We would clearly understand the enormity of the gospel. We'd be amazed by it. And then, because we're amazed by it and know that he's, God is reaching out to all kinds of people, we have an incredible love for all kinds of people inside this little box we call the church. And in some way, that would manifest the wisdom of God to the heavenly realms. Now, that's a big prayer. That's a lot different than a kind of a grocery list kind of prayer. If that prayer comes true, a lot of change is going to happen. So just, that's what Paul has in mind as he goes to his knees. That's the backdrop. So now four observations. I could make 40, but I just have time for four. Things on, you might say, things on Paul's prayer card. First of all, verse 16, to be strengthened. He's bowing down and he's praying that, that this church would be strengthened with power. That word power is where we get the word dynamite. To be strengthened with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being. That's his main prayer. I'm I'm praying that you'd be strengthened with power through God's Holy Spirit in your inner being. Okay, so that sounds good. But what does it mean? What does it mean to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in my inner being? I mean, that, you know, if you just are in church a long time, you can say it. But then if you try to explain it to somebody, you go, uh, I'm not sure. It's in the Bible. And so I'm trying to ask myself, okay, this sounds good. I want this. But what, what does it mean that the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit living in me, would actually be strengthening my inner being? How does the Holy Spirit strengthen our core? And you could answer, this could be a whole series of, of sermons just on that topic. But I just want to answer it. One primary fuel the Holy Spirit uses to strengthen your inner core 
is God's word. That's one primary fuel. That's how the Holy Spirit operates, and I'll show you in just a moment. He primarily operates with this in mind. I want to direct Paul Phillips to God's word. And as he reads God's word and the Holy Spirit is helping me see it and dig out the truths, then I am strengthened in my inner core for all kinds of ways. And we know that from a couple of verses, John 14, 26. Jesus is in the upper room. He's speaking to his disciples, and he, he knows they're disturbed because he's been talking about his death. And he says, the counselor, or the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. So I'm going away physically, Jesus is saying, but I'm going to come to you in my spirit, in the Holy Spirit. And here's what's going to happen. He will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said. So what's the main thing the Holy Spirit's going to do? The Holy Spirit's going to always be driving you back to this word. Why? Because there's all kinds of competitors to this word. You've got stories in your own mind. I grew up this way. I always thought this way. My, my coach told me this. My parents told me this. Oprah told me this. Whatever it is, I've got all kinds of words. I've got all kinds of stories competing for the truth. And the Holy Spirit's saying, get, get back here, get back here. There, this is where the truth is. This is going to strengthen your inner core. So when you go out and hear these competitive words, you know what the truth is and you can, can be discerning. Ephesians 6, many of you are familiar with this, that the, you're going to take on the whole armor of God. Remember that? And you're, you're going to have all these different pieces of armor as you as a Christian enter into the world. Paul sees that great passage in Ephesians 6. And he says this, take the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. So the primary fuel, the Holy Spirit isn't a force like Star Wars. I mean, that's cool, but that's not real. I hope you realize that. When you have a list of religions, you may have seen this list. You know, there's Christianity and Islam and Buddhism, and there's Jedi. <laughs> so that's painful, so painful. But there really, really isn't Jedi, okay, in case any of you all think you're Jedi in the Jedi movement. The, the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not an it, it's a person. It's the, the spirit. It's just like your spirit. It's not just a force. It's, it's really who you are deep down. And the Holy Spirit is coming, and he knows you're going to face battles, and he knows the way in which you win your battles is you know the word of God. How does a young man keep his way pure, according to Psalm 119? How does a young man keep his way pure? By, what does it say? By living according to your word. So if you're a young man and you're fighting purity, how are you going to most have success? By living according to God's word. It's not some power you just sit there and go, God, help me. He's saying, yeah, okay, memorize the word. Do the word. Get around people who are telling you the word. That's how the Holy Spirit mainly operates. We're all praying for Lisa Anderson. And I had occasion to visit her when she was in the ICU. And I was leaving, and, and no one was there when I left because her parents were on the way back over. It was just a few moments she had to be by herself. And I got out to the parking lot, and she had texted me. 
Thanks for visiting me and praying for me. Thanks for having us memorize Roman eight, Romans 8 years ago. Because right now it's Jesus, me, and the scripture I know. That's going to happen to you. Might may have happened to you. It's going to be you, Jesus, and the scripture you know. So the Holy Spirit, Paul's saying, he knows these people in Ephesus. They got a big battle on their hands in the culture against the Roman Empire. It's not looking good for this little church. And if they have any hope, they have to be strengthened with their inner being because they're going to get in places that's just going to be them, Jesus, and the Scripture they know. And that's going to be a core that's going to cause them to, to live for Jesus. First observation. So you just might, just might be thinking about your prayer card here. This just might be your prayer here. Just Holy Spirit... I need you to strengthen my inner being, and I know it comes from God's word, so this, I'm, this is my prayer. Not, not that I get an A on a test, or I'm not saying that's bad, but that's not big. This is big. Second observation, the source of power is the Holy Spirit, and then notice the sphere of the, of, of the concern. The source is the Holy Spirit, the sphere of Paul's Primary concern is their inner being, meaning he's not primarily concerned about their outer circumstances. Do you hear, do you hear that? I'm trying to get your core strong because you're going to have all kinds of outer circumstances in 2018. And, and I'm not going to pray against every possible outer circumstance. I'm not going to pray for comfort in every relationship and every, every job to go well. I mean, I hope it does, but we know that's not the way God operates. So what I want is I want you to be strengthened. What Paul wants is to be strengthened in their inner beings or Christ dwelling in your hearts. Paul had visited Ephesus. You might remember this from Acts 19. He visited Ephesus and people began to believe and change their lives. And you remember it caused, it says, no small disturbance. I love that phrase because it actually caused an incredible disturbance. And after Paul's preaching had begun to shape the people who then began having a different way of spending their money, people got pretty uptight about that. And 25,000 people ran into a stadium and started shouting against Paul for two hours. Well, that's no small disturbance. That's what this little church, just imagine us being here. And later on today, 25,000 people get together and start shouting against what we believe. Well, you better be strengthened in your inner core at that point. And that's what Paul understands these people are facing. So he's saying, I just, I want that inner being. I want Christ to dwell in your hearts. So how's your inner strength? In your prayer card, do you tend to just write down, God, take care of this outer circumstance, take care of this outer circumstance? Is that how you normally pray? 
Now, I'm not trying to say that's bad. I'm just trying to add something to it. I'm trying to say, God, you may not want me out of this circumstance, this relationship, this job, this location. So I'm not going to pray. I'm going to pray that I could be the kind of person in this relationship, job, or circumstance. Christ may dwell in your heart. It means dwell is settle down and be at home. That's what he's getting on his knees for. I, w- I want Christ to settle down and be in, in the home of your heart. There was a little pamphlet many years ago, My Heart, Christ's Home. And it got me to thinking, what's the difference between it being a guest in a home and being in your own home? Well, a guest has limited access, right? I mean, you're a guest in my home. You don't come home and just open every drawer and open every closet, and right? You, you come in and you're invited into the kitchen or into the dining room or to the den. It's possible Christ really is a guest in your heart. Oh, I've got him here on Sunday, and I've got him here at this time, but, but there's lots of closets in your life he really doesn't enter into. And that, that might just be on your prayer card. You just know some of those places that, for whatever reason, you've got closed off to Jesus. And Paul doesn't want anything closed off. If you're going to have a good spiritual core, just, just one part of your life closed off can be like a cancer and, and can be eating you out uh, from the inside out. And he doesn't want that. He wants every, every door open. He doesn't want limited access. So we're going to... Ask ourselves that kind of question. Third observation, verse 17. Paul, Paul understands the power is coming from the Holy Spirit. I want that power to work on your inner life. That's the sphere in which he's asking God to operate. He's not unconcerned about outward circumstances, but he's mostly concerned about the, the, the core. And then third observation, verse 17. Notice this phrase, being rooted and grounded in love. Now, if Paul had submitted this to a college English professor, it would have been circled with a red pen, points off. Can you imagine that? Because he mixes his metaphors, right? You're not supposed to mix your metaphors. In the same sentence, if you're going to use a metaphor, you've got to carry that along. And Paul uses two different metaphors here. Rooted is an agricultural term, and grounded is an architectural term. So, Paul, let's work on that next time. So rooted, rooted, it's, it's an agriculture term. We all understand it's a tree with a big root ball. The, 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 the higher the tree is going to go, the, the deeper the root system that has to have, that it has to have. Psalm 1, blessed is the person who does not. Remember? Doesn't walk, stand, sit. Instead, you remember what it says? Their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, they meditate day and night, and they are like a, a tree planted by this living water. That's the picture Paul's trying to, he's trying to say, this, God, as I pray for these people, I want them to be well-rooted. All kinds of storms are going to come across the surface. I want them to have a, a big root system. And then grounded is an architectural term. If you're building a big building, the higher you go, the deeper 
your footings have to be. So we understand. We understand what Paul's trying to say. He's, he's on his knees. He's praying for his congregation that they would, be, have, they would have this deep, profound knowledge of the love of God. You might think that, think of it this way. The love of God is my operational base. So I operate out of, out of a certain understanding and my base is the love of God. I've got that down. I keep digging up its great truths. I keep remembering them for myself. Myself. The love of God is my operational base. Now, there's lots I could say about this, but let me just, just make one comment. One reason why this phrase, rooted and grounded in love, is so critical to Paul's prayer and critical for us to understand individually and also as a church. If you were to look at Ephesians and make an outline, it's pretty easy. It's got six chapters. The first three chapters are about doctrine. Here's what you need to know about God. And chapter four, five, and six, the second three chapters are about duty. This is how you need to live. Make sense? Doctrine, duty, or belief, behavior. Here's what you're supposed to believe. Here's how it's supposed to shape your behavior. You got that? Pretty easy outline. But here, this phrase is like a hinge between these two things. Doctrine, great. Duty, great. Belief, great. Behavior, great. But what's, what's the operational base it's being rooted and grounded in the love of God. What happens when the love of God is not your operational base? What happens when you just go right from doctrine to duty? Right from belief to behavior? If, you're, if you don't have your roots deep down in the love of God, if you don't understand that God's love for you is extended to you before the foundations of the earth, if you don't understand that you were predestined to be a son or daughter of God, if all you have is like head knowledge and then you move directly to behavior modification, then you burn out. You, you hit a wall. Because you know the right things to think, and you know the list of things you're supposed to do, and you operate out of, this is what I'm supposed to do, and your operational base is doing, Christian doing, it's not the love of God. And when your operational base is doing, you will hit a wall. Doing can just take you so far. So some of you, hit, you've hit that wall. You, you sit in church and you think, I just can't do the Christian life anymore. It's because your focus has been on Christian doing. And that's not, what, that's not the operational base. What happens if a church skips over being rooted and grounded in love? They've got the doctrine down. They can tell you how to live. They've got the beliefs down. They can tell you how to behave. What would a church like that be? If they just skip over the love of God, they really don't have that as their operational base. I would say the way the members would interact with each other would be based on law and performance. 
Do you know the right things? Do you do the right things? If you go to a church missing this hinge, then you could walk away thinking, well, they have the right doctrine. And they tell me exactly how I should behave, but I get the feeling I'm never good enough. See, that, that's, that's a church that doesn't have love as their operational base. Come in, you don't know the right thing, here's the right thing. Come in, I'm not doing the right thing, these are the right ways to live. But if they don't have that hinge, if that's not really their operational base, then you walk away feeling, I'm just not doing enough. And that's why you have to come back to Ephesians 1 and stand at the Grand Canyon of God's love and say, Despite all that I've done, success or failure, before any of that was done or known, God chose me in Christ before the foundations of the earth. And when you know that, you can operate healthy. You can dig into the doctrines. You can desire the duties. You can dig into the beliefs and desire the behaviors. But the operational base is love. And if your operational base is doctrine or your operational base is duty, then you become warped. And so Paul wants to see that this this congregation, they're rooted and grounded in the love of God. So another thing on Pastor Paul's prayer card. I I don't want to be a church that skips over this hinge. And, And that could be easy for Christ Community Church. It could be easy. Some things are more tempting than others. What's right about the Bible? Here's what's right about the Bible. How should I live a life? Well, you should live your life this way. Could be easy to get this spirit of law and performance. And so I'm praying, God, don't don't make us church like that. I mean, I know he wouldn't make us, but help us not fall into that kind of trap and maybe you're that way that maybe that's just the way you are and you need to go back this this hinge and say i really need to be rooted and grounded in love fourth observation we'll finish here verse 18 i want you to comprehend this i want you to know it this word comprehend is grasp or lay hold of it's really that what he has in mind is like a robber That's how this word is used in other places. I want you to grapple with, I want you to wrestle it down, and I want you to take away from this person. And so he wants us, in the best way, to to wrestle with God, wrestle him down. And take away all the great things about God. He just wants you to, to come in and discover that you could never go deep enough with God. And he's not, you don't have to take him out. You just got to wrestle him. He's going to pour him out on you. It's a weird wrestling match. You come wrestle and then I give you everything I have. But it's like this divine grappling. I'm going to lay hold of. I'm going to grasp. And again, the, the wrestling analogy has you got to put forward some effort. It's not, hey, you know what? I said that sinner's prayer. I got my insurance policy and then I'm just moving on. That's, that's not what it's talking about. Wrestle, grasp. And what does it say? With all the saints. See, it's not a solo match. If you're living here as a Christian and it's really just you doing it on your own, you're not going to go very deep. 
you're not going to go very long because you just get worn out. Plus, you can't see everything. I mean, we're in a wrestling match. Even right now, you're saying, hey, I didn't even see all this in Ephesians chapter 3, right? So I've been wrestling and digging up these stones, and you're going home and saying, wow, that's awesome. And then at some point, you'll be in a Bible study and say, hey, I'm giving this to you. That's how it works. You're, you're working together with all the saints. And maybe this is the year on your prayer card you need to say, I just don't do much with all the saints. I listen to podcasts. I do stuff on my own. I try to read, but I'm not really digging up together. I'm not in a Sunday school class. I'm not in a small group. I'm not somewhere with people who are really working together to help me understand God, to help me love, to help me to pursue after. It's a perfect transition into baptism. Because in a in a baptism, what we see here is we have God's been wrestling with you. He's wrestled your soul down. And now these people are going to come forward and they're going to say, I've, I've, I've been pinned by the love of God. And now together we're going to say, welcome to all the saints. Welcome to this community. And together we're going to be with you side by side. We're going to be wrestling together with you. As long as you're here or we're here, these great truths of the love of God. So it's a perfect segue. So I want to ask the three people who are getting baptized. They would come up. It was, I think it's Evelyn, Brian, and Joshua. These three have uh, gone through the communicants class. And they are joining as communing members and baptized members. And... Um, it is a great joy for me to see anybody up here, but especially you three, because they're all, they all started as, we know your name, as Joshua. They, we all know. And I think what's wonderful is this is part of, it's, a, it's sort of like a full circle moment of the church saying, hey, we see that there are needs out there. We go and try to be Christ in that community and then that community comes into our community, and they see Christ and say, well, now I don't want to be an outsider. I want to be part of all the saints. So you guys are all part of all the saints, and I'm very proud of each one of you. And I'm very personally very excited to baptize you in this 40-degree weather outside in just a, a moment. But I'm going to ask you all a question and then ask the congregation one and pray for you. Uh, do you understand that you are a sinner in the sight of God and without hope for your salvation except by the grace of Jesus, do you? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of sinners? Do you promise now to rely on the grace of the Holy Spirit to live in you and help you follow Jesus? Do you, as members of Christ Community Church, you're going to wrestle with them. Not against them, right? You're going to wrestle with them, and you're going to help Evelyn, or you're going to help Brian, or you're going to help Joshua understand the love of God. You're going to help them. And to whatever they are today or in the future, they're going to do that for somebody else one day. Do you, as members of Christ Community Church, as 
part of all the saints. Do you promise to wrestle with them to understand the love of God? Do you? Let's pray. Lord, I'm so thankful for these three souls that they're um, publicly joining this group of all the saints. And I pray that um, your Holy Spirit would strengthen their inner being, would, would allow them to really understand the love of God, to, to make the love of God their operational base, that they would never stop wrestling, and we would never stop wrestling with them and for them to know this. And we know every every soul who's connected to you, we know you can do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. According to the power that's work it, as is in work at work in us to bring glory, to bring glory to you through the church, to bring glory to Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen.